to the shores of America The sky that's a pillar, the alpha and the mega The home of the beggars, the black settlers Who've been beaten, raped, lynched, robbed, and stoned The call of on the earth for service But they couldn't maintain it home This dates back to 1555 When they captured the first tribe of men And piled them in a pen, 50 feet high It took them all on the 9,000 mile ride And landed on the shore of a place they'd never seen before We read about this inside the ancient books of war Bondage and stainless steel stripped of their language Still survived the anguish of slavery but still remain nameless Separated to portions, a chick by John Hardy Hawkins And sold on the auction, tore birth control and abortion Rulers of the first part became slaves of the worst part The devil's curse God and reverse God They turned God to dog and made people so tired No relief came to the prophet by W.D. Farad Taught trauma, dropped our mamas off in Bahamas And Barbados, Tobago's Separated us from slave boats Made our own brothers hate us From Virgin Isle to Jamaica Trinidad, Honduras, Haiti, Grenada Bermuda to Cayman Mental enslavement Or read about this inside the ancient books of war That's some deep shit That is Riza from the Wu-Tang You are listening to Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn Podcast Expand your mind and keep it love. Shaolin shadow boxing and the Wu Tang sword style. If what you say is true, the Shaolin and the Wu Tang could be dangerous. Do you think your Wu Tang sword can defeat me? On guard. I'll let you try my Wu Tang style. This is episode 170, and I'm your host, Miguel. This episode 170 will also be uploaded to my IGTV in video audio format. So go ahead and check that out. Also check out my website, which is alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com for all my content and my information. Today, we're going to visit an old friend. An old friend that actually authored one of those ancient books of war, as mentioned by Riza. And... One of those ancient books of war is actually the Go Ring No Show or the Book of Five Rings. And a lesser known, very, very esoteric book by the name of the Decodo or The Way of Walking Alone. And as you already know, if you're a listener, you know that that author is Miyamoto Musashi, who was among us in feudal Japan circa 1650, so a little over 300 years ago. So let's get into it. And one of the things that I always say is don't go by what someone says, but watch their actions and what they actually do. And the same actually applies to philosophy and strategy in that you have people spotting off a lot of information, you know, make a million dollars in two days, just mail me, you know, the check for my book or whatever malarkey they have going on. They just ramble on and on and on. As the Dominicans say, the boca fuera from your mouth outside. So it's very, very important when you are delving into a specific school of of, of discipline or philosophy or teachings, don't only go by what the person is saying, but go by the actions and what they actually do, what I call being proven or battle-tested. And you have a lot of philosophies out there like existentialism, nihilism, where they believe that there's no meaning to life. And that our purpose here is to suffer, have no meaning, you know, punch the train ticket, get on board, and take your meaningless ride to an eternal 
life of suffering and just meaninglessness, you know? So one of the things that I really, really get out of these Eastern philosophies and, and actually true battle-tested philosophies is that they have no time to get involved with that, again, type of malarkey, to, you know, to quote the Irish. Um, they were into like real facts, my feet are on the ground, I'm here and let's do this. So Musashi is taking us back to a time and a place where Ronins walk the land. A realm where men live and died by the sword. A realm where the law of the land was eat or be eaten. Metaphorically. No fluffy designer slippers and no proper pronouns. A realm where your sword skills and strategy were tested on the daily. A realm where if you passed the test, you just kept stepping down the path. And if you failed, well, you already know. A proven, proven way of living and philosophy in this type of environment, in this type of realm. No screens, no hamster wheels, no farms, just life and death. This type of living resulted in the purest form of philosophy and way of living because there was no room for BS, no room for feelings, no room for everyone gets a trophy. This was just the way it was. Not, you know, not to make a judgment that this is good and this is bad. It was the way it was because if you lived in one village and the village next to you, the shogun that ruled over the village next to you, next to your village felt that he could take you guys over and just wipe you out and take all your shit. And that's just what it was. So you had no choice but to improve yourself and elevate your skills to the point where you can defend yourself and your family. Again, you know, this is not something that I agree with or something that's in alignment with Christianity or Buddhism, which, as you know, you know, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And I I don't believe in Christianity in the way of the Catholic Church or any type of denomination. I have a direct one-on-one -on -one relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus. So my only thing is I, I kind of compile truth as I see it and things that feed my soul. So a lot of this Eastern philosophy and Buddhism and even this uh, Musashi type of philosophy, samurai philosophy, speaks to my soul because it's real and it's true. So, again, no room for feelings, no room for fluffy slippers and, you know, Instagram or, or Snapchat bunny ears. This was some real shit that was going down. And that's why it's, it's really, to me, the purest type of philosophy and living... Uh, living strategy to live life by because it, it if you fail that test it's a wrap right so let yeah so let's get into this and if you're into the subject matter another book that i recommend uh that you get into is a book by the name of the hagakuru or the book of hidden leaves which was a book written pretty much in the 1650s uh, along the same time as uh goring nosha was written by an assortment of different samurais. There's no actual real author. And the best way that you can get a good feeling for this, there's a movie by the name of Ghost Dog, which Forrest Whitaker was the main character in this. And he was Ghost Dog. He was modern-day urban samurai. You know, I think it was filmed in Jersey City, but I think it was supposed to be New York City. And uh, the movie's amazing and and again the the music on this is by rizza from the wu-tang clan so that that movie 
is Ghost Dog, starring Forrest Whitaker, so I recommend you go check that out. And basically, he walked around with a copy of the Hagakuru in his back pocket, and he lived his life based on those um, samurai principles, which were, again, battle-tested and real as life and death. So back to the title of this episode. We're going to go by this 21 Rules of Life, which were written down in Musashi's... uh, Dakota, the book, the Dakota. Oddly enough, I am going through YouTube and I'm doing a lot of research and I'm looking for the Dakota. The only thing that I really come up with, with the Dakota are these 21 rules of life and not actually a book. So I believe whatever book is out there on the Dakota is these 21 rules and then people's interpretation of them. In many instances, I can appreciate different people's interpretations of teachings, but I really much prefer to go and delve in myself to find the actual true teachings. Because um, I'll be brutally honest, there was one that I saw a guy was breaking down the Dakota, the 21 rules, and he wrote them all down on on a legal pad. And then he said, you know, I'm going to go through these rules and, you know, grade how I follow them. I really don't care how you follow them. Just give me those 21 rules so I can get the teaching. You know, it's not, has nothing to do with me or you or how you feel about them or how you follow them because that does absolutely nothing for me. Okay. And a lot of gurus and pseudo teachers and masters today, you know, and now that I'm talking about masters, there's a, a, a YouTube channel that's called McDojo Life. And this dude, this dude is pretty deep, man. He gets into a lot of fake martial arts and these Aikido teachings and stuff like that, which is basically all, all BS. And the same goes for the philosophy where people, you know, they put their stamp of approval and they grade everything. Don't don't give me that. Just give me the teaching. Tell me the name of the book and I'll go in and I'll figure it out. I don't care, you know, how you follow them or to what degree you feel. that. No, it has nothing to do with it. Let's get into the teaching and then you go from there. So... This, this, uh, I believe it's a book. I really don't, I really don't actually, I really don't think it's a book. I think it's just 21 teachings or, or principles of life that he, he documented down Musashi for us to follow. And I'll tell you something, bringing it all down to the bare bones. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything that cuts as deep as, as these 21 rules because they just lay it all out there and, Again, these are one of those things that you're either going to get it or you don't get it. So if you have a difficulty, if you're listening to it and you're going through it and, and you kind of you kind of get it, you kind of don't get it, go back to the beginning, listen to it a second time, a third time. And uh, if it doesn't speak to you, it, it doesn't, but that, uh, that really doesn't have anything to do with the writings, but it has to do with your ability to absorb these teachings, these battle-testing teachings. So... We're going to start from from teaching number one or rule number one, and then we're going to go through all the way through to number 21. So let's get into it. Number one. Accept everything just the way it is. Now, what this teaching is showing us is that people feel that for some oddball reason, you know, they're not getting the job that they want, they're not driving the car that they want, the salary that they're expecting, you know, how their parents souped them up or, you know, encouraged them or had them believe, delusionary believing that they were a lot more than they actually are and that you're entitled to whatever it is just because, you know. 
And what Musashi, what the teaching is telling us here, accept everything just the way it is, is just cold truth right there in front of you because you're not really entitled to anything. You're not, you know, that's not the way the world works. That's the most toxic view that you can have on life because if you're, you're, you feel that you have this, you know, you should be in this position or that position or you, you know, you really shouldn't be living in a studio eating Cheerios because of the fact that, you know, you, you, whoever you are and your parents, you know, told you you're the greatest has nothing to do with anything because it's, it's, it's looking at the world through the filter of a lie, you know, of a delusion of Maya, of, of, uh, illusionary maya so you need to the first step that you have to take in life and it's really appropriate that he put this as the first rule is you do have to accept everything just the way it is because that is your starting point and your platform whether you're doing very well you got to be you know you have to be cautious of 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 falling down if your competitors getting you or if you're very low down looking for the weaknesses in your competitors so that you can move up and make an assessment of what steps you actually need to take to effectively make change in your own life. So you need to accept everything just the way it is, cold, cold, right? And there's so many interpretations of this that you can look at, but basically what Musashi is telling us, accept everything the way it is, is to don't have any expectations of life or risk-reward or anything like that. Just look at it as it is, accept it the way it is, and then adjust accordingly to what you need to do in reality in this real world. So that's that's a great number one right there. Number two. Do not seek pleasure for its own sake. This one is pretty self-explanatory. As I always say, people live life to gratify their senses. And you cannot live life to gratify your senses, but you need to live life to become self-realized and seek the path of immortality. So what Musashi is saying here is that it's not bad to live a life to experience pleasures and and good times in life. He's he's not saying that, right? You're not supposed to like live in the primordial, uh, sitting in your own piss and suffering and, 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 and starving to death and whatever. No, not at all. But don't don't seek pleasure for its own sake. In other words, you have to earn everything. You know, like in many instances, you know, you people get up in the morning and the first thing they want is breakfast, and then they want to hear their their favorite song, and then they want somebody to rub their feet, and and then that's really not the way to go about it, man. The first thing that you do when you get up in the morning is you literally have to earn your own breakfast. You have to earn whatever it is that you have step by step, moment by moment, day by day, you know, everything that you get in your life, you must earn it. Now, of course, there are some people that, you know, they're given everything on a silver platter and such. And I have my own interpretation upon this, but that's why a lot of times that you see people that come from, from means or money or whatever like that, especially the, the young people, especially like the young men, you're going to find that if they come from and I hate to use the word privilege because it has a lot of negative connotation. So take it with a grain of salt because I'm not into all of that uh, BLM bullshit and entitlement and white prayer. I don't believe in any of that shit because we're all the middle class basically has been wiped out. 
and we're either very rich or we're somewhere in between, you know, subsistence, getting like public assistance or having a living, but having a living, you know, three paychecks away from being homeless. So a lot of people are in a situation where they need to earn everything, every little piece that they have, not just thinking about tomorrow or I'm eating good this week, but focus and pay attention to what's going on because I don't have to explain it to you. You see everything that's going on right now. So people are put in a position from the me- from the media and, and, and Instagram and Twitter and social media that, you know, I'm in Greece and I'm, you know, you know, drinking olive oil and, you know, having feta cheese rubbed on my head as I, as I watched, you know, the Mediterranean Sea, you know, and the, and the sailing ships going by. No, man, that's not what life is at all. You have to make a real assessment and evaluation of where you are, whatever your living condition is. And most of us, you know, that's all going to be subsistence and just busting our ass to make a living. So we're not in a position to really seek pleasure. Now, pleasure is not bad. It's just don't exist for that purpose to experience pleasure because you have to earn every little bit that you get, right? Kind of self-explanatory. Either you get this or you don't, but you got to lay them bricks down one brick at a time to build up your own little castle contingent upon how big you want that castle to be. You know, I kind of shy away from building it up too high because at that point it's more susceptible to getting knocked down like the Tower of Babylon. You know, the higher up you build, the far further down you have to fall. So keep it in moderation. Keep it simple, like with the Stoicism, with the Marcus Aurelius teachings in that book, Meditations. But keep it really simple and get really try to get your pleasure and gratifications from things that you've built with your hands or things that you've been able to achieve on your own, right? Or in partnership with people that are close to you where, where you guys are kind of starting from the bottom and building it up. So it's very important that teaching number two, where Musashi is saying, do not seek pleasure for its own sake. And the key word there is for its own sake. He's not saying don't seek pleasure. He's not saying that. He's saying do not seek pleasure for its own sake, right? So he, again, he's not saying pleasure is bad. He's saying for its own sake. Sense and, and desires gratification. People live to gratify, most people live to gratify their senses, as opposed to being living to be self-realized and knowing who you actually really are. It's it's a trick that they're playing on us, right? The media pounds into us that, you know, this guy's in Hawaii and he's doing, you know, uh, micro helicopters around ha- Honolulu and just drinking the finest wine and having his feet rubbed. And that's, that's, that's dangerous, man. That's actually death right there. Right, unless if you have that kind of money to live there, and trust me, these people that have a lot of means and a lot of money and all that, that can all be wiped out in an instant. You know, there's an old saying that uh, a guy came up to someone and says, "You know, what would be more valued and precious to you, your 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 time or your money?" And you have two instances. You have a guy that's that's uh, old and has a lot of money, and a guy that's young and that's broke. So depending on how you look at it, if you're a younger person, let's say, and you work really hard and you make a lot of money and you're still young, that money can still be wiped out. But if you look at it in the right way, if you if you still have the time, like time and money, if you still have the time to get back to where you were, there you go. But if you're in a position where you've worked hard and you've run out of time, then you're not going to be able to get that that status or that money back. So 
in this life, and I say in this life, I, I, I'm Christian, but I do believe in reincarnation. I'll just be blunt about it because it's so kind of obvious. Um, you know, that's where clairvoyance and deja vu and all of these different things come from. I believe that you continue to come back here until you get it right, and then you unite with the Godhead, or in this instance, you know, you unite with Yahweh or Jehovah and Jesus, you know, and you've you've been able to become self-actualized and, and have an understanding of what this is. And then at that point you've earned a position to be near them or in their presence, you know. But that's a that's a podcast for another time. So do not seek pleasure for its own sense. Don't live a life where you're seeking pleasure. Live a life where you're seeking to be self-actualized and, and, and follow the disciplines that you need to follow. Not for gain, but to maximize your potential. And that's where the true pleasure comes from. That, that word pleasure is very slippery and very, the real precipice, you know, pleasure. You have to be very, very careful with that. If you're a person, a thinking person, a philosophical person, a person of... of um, of integrity, a person who lives their life by critical thinking and spiritual, you know, means. So pleasure, there's nothing wrong with pleasure at all. It's a it's a great thing, but you must earn that. So that's that's number two. Do not leave a life uh, you know, seeking pleasure. Number three. Do not under any circumstances rely on partial feelings. What Musashi is saying here is, um, I guess the best way that it could be interpreted in, in Western philosophy, Occidental philosophy, is what they call a gut feeling, right? So I'll, I'll take this back to Godfather 2, where Michael Corleone was, they made an assassination attempt on his life. And the first person that you would suspect was Pantangeli, because he they had a big argument and such. And Michael didn't rely on a partial feeling. He did an investigation. He found out ultimately it was Hiram Roth down in Miami that tried to take his life. So if you didn't hear them, you can go back into my old, old episodes. But don't rely on partial feelings is that um, before you make any major decision in your life, you have to make an assessment of the battlefield. You have to make an assessment of the timing and patterns of all things that are taking place because... Yes, people say that your first feeling is, is, is usually, your first instinct is usually correct. And I totally agree with that. But when that feeling, that primary primal feelings comes through, it usually has a conviction to it that you're like, okay, this is what it is. But then again, you cannot just make a movement on that and you have to, you know, make sure that it's not just a partial feeling. It's hard to explain because if it's from your gut, that's something that you got to make a call on. And some, one thing that people don't really understand is that when they say gut feeling, that's some real biological stuff because it's been discovered that actually in your gut area and your digestive area, it's actually encapsulated within a neurological framework of a, of a, a network actually that surrounds your gut. So it's almost to the extent where it's a second brain. Understand one thing in, in, in our physiology, we actually have three uh, neural networks that make decisions for us, and the primary one is our brain because that's what we think cerebrally, and we you know all do all that brain stuff. But the second one is the spine, and the third one is the gut. I'll explain. If you take your hand and put it on a hot flame or a hot fire or whatever like that, and your hand is going to be burned. 
the first thing that happens is you pull your hand away from the heat to stop it from burning. But your brain was not the one that processed that because if your body would allow your brain to make that assessment and, and whatever your hand would be burned to shreds. So what happens is that signal of heat travels to your spine and your spine makes that decision, this is hot, this is dangerous, and it pulls away so that you're not really hurt. That's why you pull your hand away so fast. There's no thinking involved. You feel heat and you pull it away. That's your spine. Now, the third one is actually your, your, your as they call it, your gut. And look it up. You know, your, your, your gut actually has a neural pathway network around it where you get these feelings. That's why, you know, you're walking down the block and the guy says, hey, you know, what time is it? Or can I get a cigarette or something like that? And immediately you get that sinking feeling or you, I don't get a sinking feeling. I just get an, a, an awareness feeling, but, and I've had a couple of sinking feelings depending on the time and place, but you'll get a feeling and it's not your spine, but this is and that quicker than your brain. Something's telling you there's danger and you have to pay attention. There's something going on here. All right. And this is, this is not a partial feeling. This is, this is some real stuff that you have to uh, pay attention to. So... So you have to listen to that and you have to listen to your body. Again, what's interesting about this is there's no real feelings involved with that. That's why they call it your gut or your gut feeling because it's coming from, and I can get into this like real, real deeply, but there's, there's a whole thing when it comes to the chakras and the gut where you really got to pay attention to that stuff because you get that, um, that Akashic kind of feeling that those Akashic records that just download into you and you're like, hey, you know, this is what you need to do. Because the brain, a lot of times, there's many instances that the brain is going to fail you because we overthink things and we overprocess stuff. And the brain, you know, you have the whole brain and the heart, you know, you have your brain is kind of logical and thinking like that. And, and the heart is just instinctive. So there's a lot of different elements to all of these things. But what Musashi is telling us here is never rely on a partial feeling. Make sure and I, I, my interpretation of it is make sure that your gut is in alignment with whatever that feeling or interpretation or decision that you have to make at that point in time, right? I'm going really esoteric on you guys, but this is something that you, I, I can't teach you. You're not going to learn and listen in one podcast, but you have to pay attention to, to your body and to your life experience and to the readings that you've done. And the more reading and the more research... And, and not research of, of uh, CNN or Fox News. I'm talking about real teachings, okay, from people that have kind of figured all of this, this out before us. That type of teaching. So never rely on partial feelings, right? Again, back to The Godfather 2 with, with Michael Corleone and uh, Pantangeli and Hiram Roth. You know, a simple-minded person would, would have ex executed and killed Hiram Roth, but... That would have been the wrong move because actually, I mean, would have executed Pantangeli, but actually Pantangeli was one of his biggest allies and it was Hiram Roth who pretended to be his friend, right? So I'm going a little esoteric and a little deep on this, but never rely on partial feelings, right? Make sure that it's all validated, you know, check what you're, and the spine is not involved with this because this is not that microsecond type stuff. This type of thinking is done through the brain and through the gut. And you got to trust your gut on this and, and know how to align. The, the, the spine is out of this. This is align the brain and the gut on this type of decision. So that's number three. Number four. Think lightly of yourself 
and deeply of the world. And this is absolutely my favorite out of the 21 teachings because it's, it's so extremely esoteric, so extremely hard to understand, but so extremely profound and really the way that we should live our lives. So it's think lightly of yourself and deeply of the world. Dude, this is what, this is what it's all about. People are so filled with themselves and the car that they drive and the school that they attended, and their last name, and whatever it might be. You know what I'm saying? The kind of phone that they have. And the th- at that point, when you do that, when you think about the iPhone that you have, and it's making you who you are, you're thinking really deeply of yourself, right? Because it's all centered upon, it's in my pocket, and this is my possession, and this is my maya, and this is the material world that I have encapsulated within my own realm. But that's not where it's at, man. You, you, you need, and again, this is like, this is the deep, this is one of the deepest things that I've ever heard in my life. And it's to, to, again, to think, uh, lightly of yourself and deeply of the world yourself, you know, you have that, you know what that is, but where the opposition or the challenge or the danger or whatever it is, or the opportunity is going to come from the world outside. So what Musashi is teaching us here is he's saying, think think lightly of yourself and deeply of the world. That That's, again, if I kind of have to explain this to you, you don't get it. But you, you, yourself, right, if you don't have that pressed down tight and know what it is and have an understanding of it, then you got to go back to square one and start all over again because the world is where opportunity, danger, and whatever other external things are going to happen to you, it's going to come from the outside. So first make sure that you have yourself on check and have an understanding of the self, right? That's a like that's why I always say realize yourself. But think lightly of yourself and deeply of the world. Most people today are preoccupied with the self. You know, do I have the, do, am I matching? And do, you know, do I have the right, you know, am I driving the right car or whatever? No, that's not where it's at right now. You got to think lightly of the self and deeply of the world. Again, if I have to explain that too much, then you got to roll back to like my episode three or four and, 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 or, or somebody else's podcast where they get into these type of issues. But think, think lightly of yourself and deeply of the world. That's... That's that's what's up. And just to add to that, I don't buy completely into a lot of conventional teachings when it comes to anthropology. I I take it with a grain of salt, but there were two anthropologists who were basically, who all of modern anthropology is based upon their teachings, and that's Franz Boas and Margaret Mead, you know, that whole Polynesian and all that stuff like that. And they have two terms that they came up with. I learned this in high school or something like that, probably when I was 15 years old, but it made an impression on me. And the two terms are uh, culturally relative and ethnocentric. So an intro, uh, ethnocentric view of the world is you're viewing another culture through the lens of your own culture, you know, ethnocentric. Like, in other words, I'm, I'm viewing this, this culture through the lens of my own society and my own culture so that's an ethnocentric view you know why are they eating why don't they use forks when they eat that is right away i i i disclaim them because they're not using forks and they don't you know they don't 
pray in this position and do that. That's ethnocentric. Culturally relative, on the other hand, is where you view a culture or society through the lens of their own existence. Maybe they they live in a place where you you can't wear shoes because um, you can, whatever whatever the case is. Maybe a predator or something could hear you walking. So that's ethnocentric. So. That's something that you want to store away because as you're listening to these teachings of Musashi, again, he was in feudal Japan, eat or get eaten, all right? Feudal Japan where it was just, it was it was craziness, man. It was like literally, you know, people waiting to prey upon you just because they had that opportunity because it was a sunny day and the mountain passed, the snow had melted and they have enough men to mount a, an attack upon your village and it was a wrap. So, you know, that's actually a cultural relative view as, a, as opposed to a, a ethnocentric view, a culturally relative view of what the situation is. So a lot of these old teachings, you know, you have to be careful. There's some truth that's embedded within that, that, that teaching, like I said, the ethnocentric or culturally relative. But taking a culturally relative view of what Musashi is teaching us here, of think lightly of yourself and deeply of the world, it's profound, Right? So we have no idea what it is to live in that type of society, but it would greatly empower us to, even though we don't live in that situation, to have that kind of uh, thinking in our mind. And let's not kid ourselves, because right now what they're doing is they are preparing us for the slaughter right now. As you can see, everything that's going on, people dying from the vaccines, all of our freedoms being taken away. We have a president, uh, I'm not even going to say his name, but the guy is a French fry short of a Happy Meal, if you know what I mean. I mean, cognitively, he is a basket case, and, and uh, he's the leader of this country. You know, so I don't want to get all political, but, you know, it, it's crazy shit. I, I, I'll speak honestly. Give me Trump instead of Biden, because at least Trump had a backbone. And he was doing things to at least move us in the right direction. Again, I, I know that it's a two-party system and they all have the same puppet masters. But at least let us build up our country and do the. And if, if people don't want to listen to me because of that statement, I don't want you listening. Honestly, I just want people listening to me that have their, their uh, faculties together where they can make rational evaluations of the real world that we're living in. You cannot look at Biden... And tell me that he's a leader, that he's an alpha, that he knows how to tie his own shoes and not shit his bed when he goes to sleep at night. We'll leave it at that. Not just Biden, but Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and this whole machine that Biden wrote the laws that put this uh, private prison system in place where privatized prisons that are traded on the stock market, that if you got caught with one little crack rock that was like a microgram, you would do 10 years, but a guy that got caught with an ounce of powdered cocaine, you know, got probation and walked out contingent upon what college he went to. But all of these things are changing so rapidly because me saying that, you're going to say, oh, you know, the, the white privilege and maybe that exists. Well, I, actually that did exist back, I don't know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, but that's not the case right now because we're all being dumped into the same bucket where they just want to do away with us. Just look up the Georgia Guidestones, you know. I saw a picture, it's funny, I saw a picture on Instagram of a guy pissing on the Georgia Guidestones, and I was like, that's fire, right? I'm going a little deep, a lot of you are not going to get this, but look look up the Georgia Guidestones. 
where they want to reduce the population down to 500 million people from 8 billion that we have right now. It's time to wake up, man, and smell the freaking FEMA camps. Number five. Be detached from desire your whole life long. So he's saying in number five, be detached from desire your whole life long. And again, this is what I say over and over again. Man lives to gratify his senses. It's his primal objective when he wakes up in the morning to gratify the senses. And that's what makes life easy. So basically, you know, you wake up in the morning, it's opioids, it's food, it's sex, it's it's money. That's, you know, you know you're attached to desire. And attached, as you know, especially from the Buddhist principle, um, all suffering comes as a result of attachment, you know. And that's the first principle of Buddhism because you have the four uh, four noble truths. You know, I suffer. I suffer as a result of attachment. There's a way out of suffering from attachment. And number four is the way out of suffering is the Eightfold Path, which is right thinking, right speech, right action. So when Musashi is saying be detached from desire your whole life long, it, 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 it's an incredible teaching, right? We're not here to gratify our senses. We're not here to just, there's nothing wrong if you desire something and you get it, you know, you worked hard all day and you, again, you earned it. You know, you're cleaning out your yard, you're, you're doing your job, you're loading a truck, whatever it is that you do for a living, God bless you, man. Whatever you do, you do it hard. And you know what? You get a man or a woman, whatever, and they're working at Amazon and they load up this truck and they put that last box on. They did it accurately, correctly and everything like that so that the customers are happy and then you go, you get yourself a nice roast beef provolone or sausage and pepper, whatever it is, man. And you're going to enjoy that, right? Because of the fact that you've earned it. You're not living just to gratify your, to gratify your senses or to gratify the desires that you have in life. You know, you're living to meet, or like my mother would say, complico tu deber, you know, to, to meet your responsibilities and do what you're supposed to do. Number one, your family. Number one, your job and, you, you know, your people, your culture, your tribe. And then, you know, you get to sit back and say, you know what, this, this, you know, pizza is good as heck. And if you really take a good analytical look at it, it's, it even says it in the Bible, the, the sleep of a hardworking man is sweet because he earned it, right? Some people are going to get these concepts, some are not. If you don't, like I said, go back a few episodes or... Re-examine yourself, man, as far as what your prime motive is in life. But we were really put here not just to have uh, gratify our senses. We were put here to to comply with our responsibilities in life. And then predi- predicated upon how we meet that resistance and those responsibilities is where we get the true gratification of, of, of meeting our responsibilities and then in, in, have an enjoyment of, of, of meeting those responsibilities as a result of our actions that we've taken and, and, and meeting that resistance and doing what we need to do, right? That, that might be a foreign concept to a lot of people uh, in this whole social media existence, but just do, do your research, man, and see what it really is all about and don't, don't be brain, brainwashed by everything that's being pumped into you by the screen, as it were. Number six. Do not regret what you have done. So do not regret what you have done. That would constitute you living in the past, 
right? Whatever, whatever you've done. You might have a guy that he was in Vietnam or Iraq and his government told him that you need to go in here and you need to kill these people and do all these things like that. And he's at that age, 25 years old or whatever the number is, watching all these movies and saving Private Ryan and all these different things like that, rah, 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 the flag. And then, you know, he goes and does her horrendous stuff. Now, does he have some of that responsibility? Yes, because he was the one that pulled the trigger. But at the same time, if you look at it from the 500-foot view, he was really pushing that in that direction. And I put the 99% of the blame on the system that was behind him to do this, just like we have in Palestine right now. You have uh, Palestinian women and children and families that are being just eradicated, just genocide that's taking place right now in Palestine. And it's it's really bad, right? So a lot of times, you know, you're going to have a guy and he's in the military, he's in the army and he wants to feed his family and he wants to get that house and the right car and all this stuff. There's a lot of brainwashing and mechanistic thinking that gets involved with this so that a person actually loses who they actually are. They lose their gut feeling about life and things and they just become an automaton, a meat wagon and they follow whatever they're told to do. And then when the point of time comes, when, you know, they come back home and then do whatever they got to do, now they're a mess because they can't assimilate all of the actions that they've taken in the karma into one thing. That's why, I forget what the exact number is, but they say like 100, 200 people a day, veterans commit suicide. I think the number is actually much higher than that from the war crimes that they've, they've been a part of, but... If you are one of those people that were in that situation, unfortunately, you need to take a step back and and, and and really look at what the prime mover in that was. And it wasn't your decision to go over there and do that, but you were put in that position and you would you were hit there to provide for your family. I'm not I'm not making an excuse for this, but you were put in that position where you were told, you know, green light, green light, green light, let's do this, and then drink a six pack of beer, and then that's really nothing further from the truth, man. So you know, if you're in a conscious position where you knew what you were doing and consciously and all that stuff like that, it, it it's a very great line. You get a lot, and I'll say the name, you get these guys like Jocko Willink and these guys, you know, they come out there and they're like, oh, I killed all these people and I'm, you know, special forces. That's, that's bullshit. That's all bullshit because you're all mechanized and you have robots and laser scopes and all this shit and, you know, whatever, man, tanks and air air control, and we're invading people's lands that we have no business being in, right? And you're going to take pride in that? That's like shooting fish in a barrel, right? At least in Musashi's time, when he was doing all these things, it was mano a mano, man to man, and you did what you had to do. And if you had a victory, you that victory was from your own hands, right? Again, I digress, but that's... any Anybody that was put in that position, man, don't, don't put the blame on yourself, man. Try to... Try to sort through your whole life and, and, and get in touch with the self and have an understanding where, you know, reach out to God and say, you know what, God, I, I messed up on this one and I'm waiting on your grace and your forgiveness so that I can have a better understanding of, of the choices I should have made. Because 99.9% .9 of the choices they put in front of me would have killed, crush, and destroy. But that little 0.1%, I, I didn't see it, but now I rewinded the tape and I see what it is and, and you know what, I'm going to follow that path. So there's no really real need to kill yourself or whatever. The real guilty ones are the ones that put you in that position, brother. So look look into that, man, because there's a lot of um, deep philosophical truth in that, 
So Musashi is saying, do not regret, regret what you have done. Um, yeah, that's your life and that's what you've done. And, and, and it's a whole learning process. And that's why we're here because this is, this is a test. Um, again, I'll say it. I believe in reincarnation and what, ha what ends up happening is, um, I don't want to say that there's no passing or failing because actually there is as, as far as aligning yourself with the Godhead and, and, and Jesus and, and spiritual, um, directives as far as what we're here to do, but don't beat yourself up in the sense of, you know, this happened in the past and I'm going to live my life in the past. No, you're going to live your life today when you're conscious about what you've done and the position that you will put in to take those actions. Right. And, a lot of that blame was actually external from yourself because you were just following instructions. So those people that live regretting their life and regretting what they've done is really not the way to do it. You need to evolve and push yourself forward. And the other side of that is to actually cantilever or put leverage upon that negative energy and live your life with the positive energy of trying to, to, to put a positive message and help people and help that old lady cross the street and you see that one kid that, you know, he's making a bad choice and you say, hey, hey, you know, you maybe you should consider things in this light of doing the right things of these gangs in Chicago and New York and St. Louis and Baltimore, Maryland and all of these cities where we have our young brothers and sisters just killing one another for rep on Instagram. You might want to talk to them and say, hey, you know what, man, you have a lot of tremendous force pushing you in this direction, but take a step back. And have an understanding that this is not really the way you were intended to live and, and, and look look at it in this light and go back. And if, even though you have all of that negative karma behind you, go forth and try to balance it out and put some positive karma out there. So that when, you, when that day comes, when you're in front of your maker, you're going to say, you know what, I, I messed up, man. But you know what, these are the steps that I took subsequent to that. Another thing is look up NDE, near-death experiences of people that... um that lived really horrible, horrendous lives and what they went through as a result of that near-death experience and how they've changed their lives going forward. Number seven. Don't be jealous. So what Musashi is telling us here, don't be jealous, is the act of being jealous is predicating your happiness, your fulfillment, your life based upon the possessions of somebody else and what they have. That's wrong right out of the box because of the fact that you're not that person. And that person, whether it be karma from previous lives or whatever the case may be, luck, fortune, privilege, whatever it is, it is what it is, but it has nothing to do with you and your reality. Your responsibility here is to live your life as best as you can and and, and pursue that path to immortality to take care of your family. So jealousy has no place in there what ends up happening as a result of jealousy is what you're seeing right now on, on social media where people are like, you know, trying to rip this person down or rip that person down or trying to get, you know, plastic surgery to get a big butt and boobs or fake hair or whatever because they're under this Maya, this illusion where they feel that this other person has more than they have and there's nothing further from the truth because you and that other person are actually the same entity. You're all one part of the grand Godhead, right? Experiencing life through a different paradigm or through a different uh, situation. And at the end of the day, we all get recycled right back through all the same and we'll get judged equally upon everything that we've done, right? So once you realize like 
you're in a situation where you're envying or you want something from that somebody else has or you feel less than you can be because of of, of someone else's possessions that they have or, or status in life that they have, you're living life completely wrong and you need to, there's no greater feeling and not to go back into myself and who my ego, not, none of that, but I came from the bottom, man. My dad died when I was six years old and my mom was very sickly. I lived with my, my older brother, four years older than me, welfare, real, real, no heat, pretty much. You know, we would sleep with our winter coats on and would eat cheese sandwiches and main, what I would call literally mayonnaise sandwiches. Um, and there's no greater feeling than to pull yourself up from that situation, from that existence to do, to do well. I own my own home and, you know, not to get all into it, but I mean, you know, I drive a decent car. Not that any of that is important, but I was able to pull myself out of that circumstance. Right. And that that is an amazing feeling man because like like they say today you know self-made like rick ross type shit but it's for real you know like you you made who you are man and and you know what you look in the mirror and you say yo i was able to get this done man i got it in i put it in and i got it done you know so there's no real room for jealousy because it doesn't benefit you at all take let's take it back to musashi's time what would jealousy do for you back then it will get you killed because it's not a proven philosophy it's not something that is effective it's just weakness so jealousy is just that emotional feeling where everybody gets a trophy and uh don't hurt my feelings and you use the right pronoun so we'll, we'll we'll move on that number eight never let yourself be saddened by separation so never let yourself be saddened by separation number eight this one is a little bit more twist and turns to it because what happens is you become attached to people, attached to family members, attached to friends, and then when you're separated from them, you feel sad. And I've experienced this a couple of times. Actually, especially in my younger life, I experienced this multiple times when my best, I'm talking about my best friend to the point he was my brother. He was from Nice, France. His name was uh, Anthony, Tony. And uh, he was taken away from me like at her age, he was like 20, you know. And crashed into a tree and broke his neck on a tree out in East France driving his KTM. So, and I, I, I went through some stuff with that, man. And that separation really, really hurt me. Plus my dad. And actually the separation from my dad, I was so young, six years old. I, I, I realized it later in life, like when, when my son was born, you know, and I was seeing the archetype that I was playing with him or the position of the archetype that I, I had to fulfill with my own son, that I realized the separation that I had from my dad. So this is some real uh, deep psychological stuff, but never let yourself be saddened by separation, is that your fulfillment needs really to come from yourself, and everything else is icing on the cake. So when you hug your mom, when you hug your best friend or your brother, really hug them, really know who they are and have an appreciation for who they are, because you cannot take that for granted. That can be taken away from you in a snap of a finger like that. And it's gone, right? So when you live a life seeking gratification, seeking attachment, seeking seeking fluffy slippers, as it were, and everything like that is really the wrong way, man. You, you Your responsibility and uh, everything that you have needs to come from you meeting the responsibilities that you have in this life. And when you experience something that's a separation, it's something that was just meant to be. And you have no power over that. Taking the stoic view, you know, you have to apply your efforts and things that you have control over and the things that you have no control over, you have to put it to the side because if you don't, it just becomes a weakness and a burden to you. So never let yourself be saddened by separation. 
The separation is what it is, and what you need to do is stack whatever losses that you might have, whether it be separation, loss, injury, pain, whatever it is. Take those obstacles that you have in your life and stack them on one another. Literally put one on top of the other and climb up it like a staircase. And when you get to the top of that staircase, said, look, look at what I overcame. And I, and I did this. Not in an egotistical way, I, but in a way of realistically looking at it, saying, you know what? The only, really the only thing that I have is myself in this life that I can really rely on. And I was able to maximize um, everything that was put in front of me. The, the, the deck of cards that was placed in my hand, I played them to the hilt. And I was able, you know, I had these failures and I had these setbacks, but at the end of the day, I was able to, 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 to stack them one upon the other, climb those obstacles and, uh, overcome them, man. And, and, and like I said, like I said, a few podcasts back, you know, you have obstacles in life, right? And a metaphor, an allegory for an obstacle, let's say is a lock, right? And then you have a key that goes to that lock. So you take that that key, put it in the lock, turn it in the cylinder, and it opens up. But what you have to understand is that within that lock, you have the image of the solution, which is the key. So every problem that faces you in life has the solution already built into it, the image of that solution already within it. So what your responsibility is, is to find out what that is, that image within the problem is, and assume that position of the solution, turn that cylinder, open it, and climb upon that stacks of obstacles that you have in front of you until you reach your maximized potential. Number nine. Resentment and complaint are not appropriate for oneself or others. So resentment and complaint are not appropriate for oneself or others. So... When you resent and complain about things, what you're doing is you're literally taking all of the power out of your own hands and you're putting it in the hands of the circumstances that you were presented with or the challenges that you were facing. And at that point, your challenges dictate who you are, right? And where the absolute self-realization, fulfillment, um, victory comes from Right back to what I said is stacking all of those ch- uh, challenges that you had and all of those resentments resentments, and overcoming them, right? Just cold, just doing it and getting it done and really experiencing the true fulfillment that you get from that because it's one thing to be happy. Like I always say, uh, you know, a gold chain is going to make you happy, but it's not going to make you fulfilled. And where the fulfillment comes from is meeting the challenges that are put in front of you and overcoming those challenges, whatever they may be in life. Number 10. Do not allow yourself to be guided by feelings of lust or love. So, number 10. Do not allow yourself by being guided by feelings of lust or love. Which is kind of self-explanatory. Again, it's external. Um, Lust being, you know, some natural situation where a man finds himself being driven by hormones or situations or it's god has built this within us and then the the other side of it is love which is much more powerful lust is kind of uh, you know temporal and kind of very low chakra level like first chakra literally first chakra level and then love is a higher chakra obviously more towards the heart chakra but um 
Sadly enough, there's a point in times in life where you have to really make that assessment to see what's actually guiding you in your path of what you're doing. And I will say, well, obviously to not to be guided in the path of lust, but when you're guided by the path of love, um, this is a samurai's view of it. You know, he was a samurai back in feudal Japan and and he didn't have any time for love. I think in the time that we're living in right now, there's a little bit of an exception to be made from that. I'm going to kind of stray away from this Musashi teaching, but there is still a lot of validity and truth in what he's saying. So I'm going to say that, you know, you kind of, you, you actually do need to be guided by love, but just be careful that that's actual real love and in the direction that it does need to go. Um, so yeah, you, 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 I feel that you do need to be guided by love, but a lot of people misconstrue lust for love, right? So that one is something that you're going to have to kind of figure out on your own. Number 11. In all things have no preference. So number 11, he's saying in all things have no preference. This is, this is some real esoteric stuff. It's like, um... The mere act of having a preference of things means that you're relying on that which is external to you and not within yourself. It's 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 going with the outer vehicle and not the inner vehicle, right? So, and all things have no preference. Deep, this is deep stuff, man. Um, when you're living a life with preferences, it's very easy to get let down, upset, saddened, depressed, because now whatever was presented in front of you did not meet your expectations because you have these preferences that are in front of you. And, you know, if you get a cheeseburger, I mean, your preference for cheeseburgers is, you know, just light, light mayonnaise, you know, Tabasco sauce, not regular hot sauce, but the Tabasco sauce and romaine lettuce, not spinach leaves. So when you have preferences, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. Right, so in all things have no preference, or, or a warrior. You have a warrior, and he's sitting in the village, and it's at a friend's house, and there's a pair of nunchucks there, no sword, just a pair of nunchucks, and then somebody smashes into the house or to invade or whatever, and he's looking for a sword, and it's not there. He just got a pair of nunchucks. You know, he has a preference for the sword, but that's not going to help him. He's got to grab them nunchucks and get it done. Right, he has a preference. So in all things have no preference. Steep, steep stuff. This is this this is some samurai philosophy, man. Samurai way of living. Musashi, the Goring no show. Check it. Number twelve. Be indifferent to where you live. So number twelve, Musashi is saying, be indifferent to where you live. Again, external, right? Um, some people say, you know, I live in this bad neighborhood. I live in the projects. I grew up in the projects, man. Not even in the projects. I lived in a tenement, and we were trying to get into the projects, but we we were not uh, approved. You know, at least in the projects, they had heat and hot water. We didn't. We used to sleep with our snorkel jackets on, and uh, you know, I remember, like I said, one. Uh, and I don't want to make it about me, but just to illustrate what Musashi's talking about, I remember actually two times the toilet bowl froze and cracked because there was no heat in the house, and. Uh, you know, I kind of learned at an early age not to have a preference to where I live because the minute I got out of there, I lived in a normal, regular house. I was like, damn, this is luxury. So have no preference to where you live. And that could be metaphorically where you live. I mean, it could be, you know, literally the real estate that you live in, the neighborhood that you live in, or whatever your circumstance on your job. If you're 
if you're working the fry later, you know, you know, making French fries at McDonald's or whatever, you might be in that situation, in that circumstance at that point in time, but it doesn't define who you are as a person. Not to be cliche, I know everybody says that. It doesn't define me. But, um, you know, make sure you're choosing the right lens because I, I will say the best thing, the best motivator that you can have is to have a hard upbringing because you're able to have more of a pr- appreciation of things um, that other people take for granted, but you you have an appreciation for what that is. Again, I can remember being a kid eating uh, may- mayonnaise sandwiches and then a step up from the ma- wasn't the bread and mayonnaise, that's a mayonnaise sandwich. And then a step up from that was a cheese sandwich because you got some American che- the welfare cheese on it. And uh, and that was, that was that was really good. I can remember that. So having no preference for where you live, it, it goes down very deep in that. You know, I live in a bad neighborhood. I live in a dangerous neighborhood. Or you know what? Look at that as motivation to get out of there. So that way, when you're able to elevate yourself out of that situation, you're gonna have a measurable metrics as far as what your progress in life was and what you were capable and able to do on your own, right? Again, some of what I'm saying, depending on how you came up, not you're gonna hear words and you know, like like I said, like the Dominicans say, the walk of fuera. You're gonna, oh well, blah 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 blah, and I did this and circumstance. But those of you who've actually struggled and came up will have an understanding of having no preference of where you live, right? We'll leave it at that. Number thirteen. Do not pursue the taste of good food. So number 13 is do not pursue the taste of good food. And simply said again, external, seeking to gratify the senses. You know, a person that lives in a position to enjoy the taste of good food. Again, there's nothing wrong with the taste of good food, and it's a great thing. I love myself some some bacalao and some good ribs and... You know, I can I can enjoy you know a good Reuben sandwich, a good roast beef, a provolone mayo, you know from from a Jersey Mike sub. I go there with my dog all the time, and we <laughs> we kind of share a nice roast beef and provolone with mayo on it. Me and my little Jackson, my little black Labrador Retriever. But there's one thing to attach to to that to the taste of good food, and it's another thing to just accept it and enjoy it as as a transitory situation where you are and you just ha- have this. But there's people that live their lives in pursuit of the taste of good food and the taste of good drugs and the taste of good sex and the taste of of more money and gratifying their senses in that, right? And that is absolutely not the way to live life. Musashi is just nailing it on every point here. And some of these points kind of overlap and they're kind of similar, but it's important to reiterate and circle, as they say, circle back and go and really have a deep examination of it because if you're living for the taste of good food, that's not really the way to live life at all, you know, the taste of good food because it's here and gone. And really the purpose of food here is to nourish us and to keep us alive. Do I do I want a nice roast beef sandwich here and there? Or for you vegetarians, a good um, tofu and bean curd or whatever? Absolutely. And please enjoy it and do that. And even if you eat it every day, and do, that's fine. But don't live for that purpose, right? Have an understanding as you're taking a bite of that sandwich that this is a gift that the universe is giving to you. This is a gift that God is giving to you and that there's many people in this world that are suffering of starvation and just so so many horrendous atrocities. Not to live in existence of just focusing on the negative, but holistically looking 
at the whole picture and saying, you know what, I'm not going to live my life just to pursue good food or whatever drugs or whatever it is, partying, because that's not the way to live. Is it okay to enjoy these different things? Of course it is, but in moderation as in all things. So don't, don't, don't live just to savor the taste of good food. You know, live to, again, live to be self-realized. And when that, that really good sandwich comes in, like, like Chris Rock said, bite the shit out of it, enjoy it, and move on. And also be cognitive of the people that are suffering and that have less than you, at, you know, not necessarily as you're eating the sandwich, but just be aware of the fact that, you know, this is, this is something special that the universe is giving to you, enjoy it. And take it actually for what it is and don't make it an expectation in your day-to-day life. Number 14. Do not hold on to possessions that you no longer need. So 14 is do not hold on to possessions that you no longer need. Um, You know, you go on TV and you see these shows on hoarders and people that stack away and save old newspapers and stuff like that. And what ends up happening is you end up building... More, more and more Maya, more and more attachment onto your life because those possessions that you have become actually become a part of you and how you gauge yourself and you measure your self-worth upon these possessions that you have. So Musashi is saying, do not hold on to possessions that you no longer, no longer need. It's liberation because actually the more Maya or the more material possessions that you have, in your circle, in your life, it's more weight that's placed upon you, right? So it's a picture of a guy climbing up a mountain and he needs to get over the proverbial mountain and he's got to get to the other side to do whatever he has to do. But guess what? He's got a, in his backpack, he's got a blender, he's got ice, he's got some pina colada mix, he's got, you know, some Michael Jordan sneakers and he's got all of these worldly possessions. But think of the liberation when you just take all of that Dump it to the side and just leave a bottle of water and a ham and cheese sandwich. Because you need both of these to get to the other side. And when you're pretty much to the top of the mountain, you know, you eat the sandwich, you club, go, uh, chug down that, that, that water that you had, and you feel great. And you have no excess weight and no excess attachment. And you get to the other side and you keep it moving. These attachments are not who you are, okay? It's just like you are not the meat wagon or the avatar that's walking around on this earth, because that avatar, that meat wagon, is going to be put six feet under the ground and decay and become soil and become roses and a piece of cabbage, and it's going to become carbon life forms, okay? And you're gone, but guess what? Your spirit moves on. So what he's saying is that um, these possessions are not who you are, just like you're not this body, right? Again, some profound... Uh, topics and everything like that, but it's something really to keep in mind. You are not your possessions. You know, you are this eternal being uh, that is basically has a seed of God within it. And our goal is to reach that unification and that reassimilation back into the Godhead where you're not God, but you are an extension of the Godhead and an extension of God. And that's... That's really what's important here because you you can't put this into words, but these material things and these possessions are, are actually weighting you down because you're identifying with them. As it says in the Upanishads, it says, um, as a grain of salt thrown into water dissolves, yet wherever you taste the water, it is salty. Even so, 
the self dissolves in a sea of consciousness and whatever, infinite and immortal, right? So understand that we all, just like you see a leaf falls off of a tree and it decays and goes back to the ground and sprouts a new rose bush or a cucumber or, you know, a piece of poison ivy, whatever it might be. That That's the true nature path of nature so understand that our purpose is very transitory and really the end goal is to realign ourselves with the infinite and the godhead you know all of those things are actually what's called the separate self right the separate self is is not really what it's about this once we identify with the separate self the separate self is made of the elements Uh, of carbon and of this world but that's not who we are that's just a reductionist very low level of of who we are we're actually infinite and immortal so yeah check out check out a couple of my uh episodes on the upanishads number 15 do not act following customary beliefs so in 15 musashi is saying do not act following customary beliefs Again, when you when you live in existence where you're following customary beliefs, you, you, you all of the t- decision making has been taken out of your hands, and you're just basically following following what the screen, the proverbial screen is telling you, and the proverbial screen is telling you to hop on the hamster wheel to generate power for the farm, right? Customary customary beliefs. View and perceive the world through your own senses and your own eyes, and see what this world really is about. And I'll tell you right now what the world is about is seeing your son ride a bike for the first time, watching the sunset over a beautiful lake, or even some ghetto-ass buildings where you're sitting there and you could see, you know, the different oranges and purples and grays that are in the sky that only God can produce, man. Like, I cannot put this into words. Like I said, either you get it or you, or you don't get it. But don't live your life following customary beliefs, but... Follow it to be self-realized and seeing the world as it really is in your own eyes, right? So, yeah, I can go on and on with that, but customary beliefs is just basically the screen, the hamster wheel, and the farm. Which, the belief in that system is, you know, they're dangling this little carrot, this little, uh, you know, Lexus, whatever, or this little Hyundai Prestige, whatever, and they dangle that in front of you, you run really hard, and at some point you're able to get into debt, to get this car, which is a customary belief that if you get the car, you're happy, blotty, blotty, blotty. You can, you kind of get what I'm getting at, but don't live your life in that way, man. Live your life to see, you know, to get that fulfillment just from seeing your son smile or just, you know, a sunset or a really good full-court basketball game where you kind of knock down three jumpers and kind of block somebody's shot, whatever, or just listening to some dope-ass beats, listening to some RZA, some Wu-Tang. Yeah. That, that's what life is, man, not these customary beliefs that they try to feed us through the screen. Number 15. Do not collect weapons or practice with weapons beyond what is useful. So 15. Do not collect weapons or practice with weapons beyond what is useful. Weapons is a metaphor for any device. Or ex- again, it's all external thing that uh, you can put into service or that can be put into service against you. 
more weapons is more complexity, which is more weight, which is more confusion, which is more attachment to this material world in, in the way of ex the external. So if you're a samurai guy, again, you have to not have a preference for weapons, which is very true. He said back in one of the earlier teachings, but at the same time, don't go out there and try to learn every weapon and learn every discipline. Don't learn how to code and weld. On a very simple level, it's a good good to have an understanding of being well-rounded, but don't don't be in a situation where all you're doing is a, a continuous, unending search for different weapons and techniques and everything like that. Try to have an understanding of what you're good at and what works for you and kind of stick with that. It's kind of like, you know, you might have a man in, in, early in his life and he's got this girlfriend and that friend and he's trying to do this and all. Find find the woman or the person that's going to work for you and ride that and go with that because that, at the end of the day, is what you're going to make your investment in. And it's the same thing with weapons, which is a metaphor, an allegory for just the external in life. So maximize what you have. If you have a hammer, then be a good carpenter. If you have... You know, one pen, be a good writer, right? Doesn't mean don't learn about other things, but have a dedication to what it is that you have available to you and what what your thing is, your groove or whatever, whatever that uh, dharma or karma that you have in your life. So the key word here is beyond what is useful, right? There's what I call a point of diminishing returns. And I brought this up many times in some of my older podcasts point of diminishing returns what is useful in other words let's say you have a guy and a kid he's 25 years old he's into cars right so he's got a a, a what they call a bubble a honda civic right lightweight car right now that car cost him ten thousand dollars and that car that cost him ten thousand dollars can do a 10 second quarter mile 10 second quarter mile ten thousand dollar car for him to get that ten thousand dollar um, 10 second car to do a nine second quarter mile. In other words, to do the quarter mile one second faster, it's no longer a $10,000 car. It might be a $16,000 car. So it costs him $16,000 to get that one extra second. So at the 10 seconds, he met the point of diminishing returns with cars. Um, I know it's a little bit of a confusing concept, but I try to put it as simple as possible in that allegory or in that metaphor. So, there's going to be a point in time in your life where you have hit that point of diminishing returns and the magic in life is knowing where that point of diminishing returns is. Or as Musashi says, do not practice with weapons beyond what is useful. Number 17. Do not fear death. So 17 is do not fear death, which is pretty self-explanatory. Um, especially from my lens or my paradigm of living, I see this as being, uh, this body being a meat wagon and, a, and an avatar in this life to evolve and get closer to the Godhead. So if you're in a position where you're fearing death, you're actually not going to enjoy the life that you're living right now. Whether you believe in an afterlife or not, let's say you don't believe in an afterlife. Let's say you believe that, you know, you die and you go on the ground. Well, guess what? You lived your whole life fearing death in that moment that you're going to die. So you'd never really truly live this life, right? So fearing death actually gives nothing to you, but what it does is it weighs against you and 
removes you away from living a really truly fulfilled life because you're living a life in fear, waiting for that moment of death where none of us, none of us knows where it's going to come or when or how or whatever. So you might as well just go for the gusto, man, and live that life that you're going to live. Whether whether there's a reincarnation, whether you're going to come back, whether not, whether there's a hell, whatever the case may be, you have no control over it. So all you got to do is grab those reins. It's like a little kid that gets on a bike and he sees a big hill and he's, you know what, I'm going to go as fast as I can down this hill and freaking enjoy this shit. And he gets on the bike and he flies down that hill and crashes into a, you know, some bales of hay and he looks up and he goes, damn, that was fun. And he goes back and does it again. Same thing in life, Right. And that little kid going down the hill, he wasn't fearing death. He was just enjoying the moment that he was in. Um, it's, it's, there's a book called, um, I think it's called The Superior Man. And the first line in that book, the author states that most people live their lives waiting for a moment to come up in their lives. And they're waiting for a specific moment. And that moment never comes. Whatever that moment might be. Right? Let's say it's an alien coming down and handing you the keys to the universe or your great-grandfather that you never saw leaves you, you know, five trillion, whatever the number, whatever the case may be. But people live their lives waiting for a moment to come in their lives, right? And that moment never comes. You know, maybe they're the quarterback of the football team. But you can't live that way. You, you, you just can't. You can't fear death. You can't live in... Uh, Predicating your happiness or your fulfillment on anything external outside of yourself. You live this life and live it as fully as you can. Enjoy it as much as you can. Do as much good as you can. Because really, the greatest fulfillment that a person gets is by doing for others and doing the right things for themselves, you know, without harming anyone. So, yeah, don't live a life fearing death because you have no absolute no control over that. And the only thing that fearing death is going to do is be a millstone weight around your neck. And you're not looking forward to death either. You're just living your life. And when that moment comes, it comes, right? And trust me, this is not the only life that we have. Because if you look at the DNA and our dinucleic acid and recombinant nucleic acid, that's that double helix, um, there's intelligence in life and we're not random. So this is just really a test for us to see how we're able to conduct ourselves along the path of this life and along this path of immortality to get where we need to go. And then some people are going to get tossed back into the recycle bin and they're going to come back as uh, caterpillars or, you know, mice or moss or fungus. And then other people are going to come back as eagles and, you know, you know, really high, you know, high level thinking human beings, right? That's, that's my view. I know that's not a very Christian view, but I've assimilated a lot of these teachings, even within the Bible, what it teaches us. And and really, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter as long as you do what is right and what is good. And as, as Jesus said, you can encapsulate the whole law of God by treating your brother as you would want to be treated yourself. And, and you can't put it any more simple than that. So we'll move on from that. Just don't fear death. Just live your life. The thing that you have control over right here and now. Live your life with gusto. Just do it. Number 18. Do not seek to possess either goods or fives for your old age. So 18, he's saying, do not seek to possess goods or fives for your old age. Goods or fives, fives is like a little land um, plot, like an acre of land or whatever, a f little fiefdom. It's like not a kingdom, but it's like a little, like we say in Spanish, un rincón, like a little corner 
of the world, like whatever it's like, five hundred feet by two hundred, whatever it is. But he, what Musashi is saying is, don't seek to collect that for your old age, because again, it's external; it's something outside of yourself. Understand one thing: these samurais, man, they didn't know when their number was going to be called or pulled up. You know, they could die that next day, so they really vehemently had to rely upon what the ground that they were standing on. And the meal that they were eating at that moment and the person whose company they were enjoying right then and there. And that's that's really a, a solid uh, way of living your life. Just being literally, literally like the Buddhist concept of being in the moment, being in the now. Um, people, they, you know, you have a guy that he works hard and he puts everything in his 401k. And he buys the right real estate and he does the right investments and he goes to retire at age 62 and he gets hit by a bolt of lightning or ran over by a locomotive train or whatever. And guess what? It says in the book of Ecclesiastes, you have a man, vanity of vanity. All is vanity, said the preacher. What profit had a man of all that labor he taketh of the sun? And, uh, you know, just the way he built up, you know, the, his castle and he put up the last brick. At that point, he puts up the last brick. He dies and another man comes and enjoys his castle. That's a loose interpretation. But you can't live your life in a way where, yes, it's good to plan for the future and store away and all those things. That's all good. But don't predicate your enjoyment and your fulfillment and everything that you do for that purpose. A, B, you know what? When you get a chance to enjoy life, do it. You know, a lot of people, they like to buy a fancy car and do all that stuff. My, my wife and my passion is traveling. So the little opportunities that we've had to get away um, you know, I liked, I, we traveled in Europe, you know, kind of recently in, in, uh, Rome and Barcelona, Spain and Florence, Italy and Cinque Terre and Paris, France and Capri. I mean, we've done a little bit of traveling. If you look at my old Instagram, one of the first pictures, I'm standing right at the Louvre. I don't like to talk about it a lot, but, but it's something that I re really do enjoy is the, is the traveling and seeing different cultures and seeing the world. But in the moment now, I'm not waiting for the future at some point. When you can grab life's little simple pleasures, you know, without outdoing yourself, not going into debt, not hurting other people, but just doing it as as you can do it in the moment, then, and then by all means do so. Whether that's a nice little barbecue or going to eat with your family at Joe's Crab Shack when your brother comes to visit, whatever the case may be, get these little... Little stolen moments in life and, and enjoy it as it is. But don't, yes, store away for the future. Yes, do an investment. You have to do these things because you have to think of your family. But don't live your life predicated just on that, right? It's a it's a very delicate balance of, of being in the moment and, and in the future. So don't, don't live your life just storing away, you know, eating cheese sandwiches now and then you die and everybody else eats the roast beef. If you, if you get my drift. So we'll move on to the next one. Number 19. Respect Buddha and the gods without relying on their help. Number 19 is respect Buddha and the gods without relying on their help. Pretty self-explanatory. Um, you know, you have to make an acknowledgement of the greater in the universe and the supreme and everything that is above you because you didn't create yourself. The name Jehovah, literally when you translate the Hebrew name Jehovah, means the self-existent one. And he's the only one that can make that claim of being self-existent. So in our lives, we cannot live like animals and just saying, hey, you know, I did this and I'm this and I'm the greatest. No, you have to make an acknowledgement of, of, of 
whether you call it Buddha or Jesus and the gods, whatever whatever belief system you fall under or that you follow, um, you have to acknowledge them, but do not rely on their help. Because what happens is, let's say you'll get a guy, and it, this is just a loose interpretation, but you get a guy that lives a very slothful life, does not do anything for himself, he just consumes opioids and food and whatever he does, and then he, you know, he comes to the twilight of his life, and he's homeless, or whatever the case may be, and he's like, Buddha, you know, I relied on you, or Jesus, or whatever, and and, and I'll take that back to a, a, an old story where there's a guy, and he's walking along the land, and there's a storm coming, and a guy comes up to him on a bicycle, no, a guy comes up to him walking, and he goes, you know what, there's going to be a great flood or whatever, and uh, the Lord is warning us right now, so you have to prepare for the for the great flood that's coming. And the guy says to the guy walking by him, hey, the Lord will, you know, preserve his own or take care of his own that follow him. All right, so he keeps walking. He doesn't listen to the guy at all. So a guy comes by on a bicycle, and he stops his bicycle and says to the guy, hey, there's a great flood and storm coming, and the Lord, you know, the Lord is saying that, you know, we have to take cover and protect ourselves because, you know, we're going to be wiped out and devastated by all of this. And the guy's walking and says, you know what? The Lord will take care of his own. And he keeps going, doesn't listen to him. So now the flood is coming and everybody's neck deep in the water. And a guy comes by in a rowboat and says, hey, you know what? The Lord says a storm is coming. You know, hop on this rowboat so that we can be saved and such and such. And the guy says to the guy in the rowboat, no, the Lord will protect his own and save his own kind of whatever. And now the guy climbs up into a tree and a helicopter comes by. And the helicopter yells down to the guy, hey, hop on the helicopter. You know, there's a great flood here upon us and we need to escape. And and, and the guy yells up to the helicopter that's in the tree, you know, neck deep in water. And he says to the helicopter, no, the Lord will protect their own. And then he drowns in the flood, goes to heaven. And he sees God and he goes, God, what happened? You know, you said you're going to protect your own. And God looks at him and says, you know what? I sent a guy walking. I sent a guy in a bike. I sent a guy in a robot and a guy in a helicopter, and you didn't listen. So it's kind of self-explanatory in that, you know, you, you're in this material world material world, and you have to use common sense and deduction and logic as far as w- what it is that you're doing. So you can't really rely, as it were, on the externals because of the fact that he's going to send signs and opportunities and options out to you. And if you're not if you don't observe the timing and patterns of what's taking place in front of you, that's on you. You know, you're not a little kid where um, automatically, you know, the Batman's going to come out of the Bat Batmobile and save you. You know, you got to connect the dots on that. So, you yeah, respect the gods, but don't count on them to save you. Is is some real profound teaching, man. That's that's something that you want to learn the teachings and everything like that, but also learn to recognize that kernel of divinity within you. And view life from that way, from what I said, from your gut, from your experience, and from what you need to do in this life, in this world, here and now, so that when, you know, when it's your time to pass on, you can say, well, you know what, God, I made the most out of what you gave me, from my instincts, from my gut feelings, from my intuition, and all the intuition really is, is the Tao, the Tao Te Ching, the yin and yang, that's, that's all intuition, man, so, yeah. Number 20. You may abandon your own body, but you must respect and preserve your honor. Number 20, you may abandon your body, but you must respect and preserve your own honor. Pretty self-explanatory. You know, it's like... 
if you don't have honor, what what are you, right? You're just like moss or fungus or just I don't know. It's like you know your own honor. You must you must every everything that was has been given to you. It's like a parable where um, Jesus gave seats to three different people or, or or gold coins rather to three different people, and the first person you know, bought a little plot of land and grew on it. And the second person invested it and made great money. And then the third guy hid it in the ground. And then when Jesus came back, he says, well, you know, I gave you X, Y, Z. And what did you do with it? And the first servant says, you know what? I was able to buy a little plot of land. And, and I have, you know, I was able to, you know, make a little farm and I'm doing my little living. And then the second guy, you know, I made investments and I did this and that. And I made more money. And then the third guy you know, hit it in the ground, and 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 Jesus said to him, "You know what? You are an incompetent servant because you know you you didn't do anything with what I gave you." So basically, it's the same thing in life where you have to make it a consideration for your own honor, like who you are as a person. That's what everything is happening right now, as far as the mainstream media and social media and everything like that. They want to demoralize all of us so that the, the word honor doesn't exist in our own paradigm. Everything is like consumption and competition and material, you know, nicer watch and faster car and shinier shoes. When there's no mention of your own honor of who you are as a person, right? They're removing us from the divinity and bringing us into the materialistic, consumptionist, reductionist existence where you're basically just a battery for the system on the hamster wheel you know listening to the screen on the hamster wheel generating power for the for the farm and uh that's not really what it is you have to make a conscious observation of your own honor you know and for your lineage and for your legacy so that your kids can look back and say oh this is this is my dad, you know, he was born in Brooklyn and he, you know, he came from these real simple, you know, from poverty and everything like that. And this is, this is the situation now. And, you know, there's honor in that as opposed to you being misled and tricked into following some false paradigm and some false teaching where you were just a battery in the matrix. So again, honor is, is not pride, not pride, but honor and utilizing and, and, and maximizing what has been given to you, whatever it may be. So it's important, important to have an understanding of what your honor and your lineage is, not ego, but honor on some real samurai shit. Number 21. Never stray away from the way. So 21 is never stray away from the way. And the way is the path. It's, wow. If I have to explain the way to you, then, you know, it's like the Tao, the Tao Te Ching, the, the loosely translated, the, 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 the word, the Tao Te Ching is the way, you know. And then there's like some way hidden in there is like seed. So what he's saying is never stray away from the way. Never stray away from who you are and what your purpose is here. The gifts that you've been given the gratitude that you should have in you. And I'm reading a lot into this, but really it, that is the way. The way is the way of gratitude. The way is the way of self-realization. The way is the way of meeting, cumpliendo con tu deber, like my mother would say, meeting your responsibilities in life. That's all the way, right? Like you're not going to, even a weed, let's say you have a weed out in, on the side of a mountain in wilderness. 
he's not going to say, oh, well, the sun is shining on me, but that's not the right sun. That's like, uh, that's not a Gucci sun. That's a sun from a department. No, that weed on the side of a mountaintop is going to, is going to perform photosynthesis from the sunshine that's beaming upon it and the little bit of moisture that it's gathering from its roots and it's going to maximize and do what it does and generate seeds and grow more seed, more weeds, you know, or whatever it might be. And that is the way, right? Like I said, when you, when you see the interpretation of the, the, the title or the word, the Tao Te Ching, it's the way, right? And that's something that you cannot be slighted because again, all external stuff, people are looking upon, you know, uh, Macy's and Bambergers and, you know, Louis Vuitton and all that stuff, which is freaking garbage. Is it, is a Louis Vuitton bag nice only the luxurious and rich looking and yeah, yeah, that, that looks great. But you know what? That, that has nothing to do on my paradigm on my, on my world. If I had millions of dollars, after I've helped people, after I've helped my family, after I've met all my responsibilities, can I tack on a little luxury to my life? Myself, probably not, but I, there's nothing wrong in doing it. But that's not our purpose here, okay? Our purpose here is to follow the path. And that path is the path of immortality to ascend to the Supreme Godhead and to prove ourselves worthy because in this lifetime you will be judged. And one thing I will say, my brothers and sisters or whatever, veterans or people that have have been in situations where they were forced into these um, uh, these actions and this negative karma, not to say that you completely removed from it, but you were basically had no, for the most part, you had no choice. And that that negative bad karma is really go, going on to the forces that put you into that position, right? So... That's going to be dealt with when you when you when you meet your maker and you meet God and you say, "Listen, man, I accept what I've done and all of these things that have transpired in my life, and I ask forgiveness and let this move on so that I can, you know, prove my worthiness and what I've been able to do." So it's really a slippery slope. It's very complicated, but many people that don't have this higher level now, if you have a higher level of thinking and you know exactly what you're doing. And you've done all these things and you're a sociopath because or a psychopath because you 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 you've intended and your objective is to hurt and to harm and to kill. But if you are put into that position, you need to get on your knees and ask God for forgiveness and have him show you the way and the and, and the way of righteousness and what 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 we need to do, right? So like I said, I do believe in reincarnation, man. It's all around us. And one little note, like with this Indian philosophy and stuff like that, the one, you know, I, I, I'm into it and I dig it, but the one thing that I do hate is that caste system where you're untouchable and you're this and that. That's another control mechanism, okay? We're all children of God and we all, we're all on equal footing. It's just that some people have more opportunity and more resources than other people at, at the point that they were born, and for me, the, the the greatest thing, man, like like Drake said, you know, coming from the bottom to all the way to the top, like is to make you forge your own world and and to ascend up and to push your family up and to do well, right? So, listen, I've been on this. This is longer than most of my podcasts. I'm up here reaching up uh, an hour and a half. So, 
there's a lot to absorb here. Um, I normally used to put out a podcast once a week and everything like that, but I noticed that I, I don't want to be repetitive. I don't want to keep repeating the same things over and over again. Not against anybody that does that. I mean, everybody has their own place, but I like to do what's called knowledge drops. And I like to lay this information down so that when somebody listens to my podcast, that it feeds them. And it's something that um, has an impact on them. So again, some people are going to have that impact. Some people are not. So I'm not out here to get, you know, a billion views and to grow my channel exponentially and everything like that. If you find it within yourself, if you're on iTunes, give me a good five-star, not three-star, give me a five-star review on iTunes if you feel that. Um... If you know people that can be fed from this information and these knowledge drops that I'm doing, you know, let them know about the podcast. I do have stickers that I can send out to you. So you send me an email and the shipping address and I'll send you out some stickers and some magnets. And I might have one or two hoodies floating around here that I might send out. So it's important that you pass all of this on so that we evolve and move. And I don't mean evolve in a Darwinistic way, but evolve in a Godhead type of way and move forward in a dharmic uh in dharma and karma and in the light of jesus christ my lord and savior right so we're living in a very treacherous world right now um i will say one thing man a lot of my people in the ghetto like black poor whites hispanics and everything like that we're basically being led like sheep to the slaughter because they're pumping up all of this black lives matter and, you know, all of this, you know, we're great. And, you know, just because, you know, my, you know, just because I grew up in Baltimore or whatever the case may be, and I'm black or Hispanic or whatever, that I'm entitled to all this bullshit, right? The first law of thermodynamics is you cannot get something from nothing. So if you're in a position where you're expecting reparations or you're in a position where you're expecting some kind of white privilege to come your way, which we all know is all bullshit. They're just pitting us against one another. Drop all that nonsense and drop all that bullshit. Look to your family, hug your wife and hug your kids and love them and sit down and figure out what is the best path that you can do to provide for them, whether that's driving a forklift, whether that's sweeping a concrete floor in an abandoned warehouse and removing the little pieces of broken pallets on a loading dock so that you know, it can be more safe for other people to operate their machinery, whatever the case may be. Maximize who you are, realize the true self, who you actually are. Feed yourself in a spiritual light as far as reading the right things, reading the Bible, reading the Dharmapada, reading whatever teachings are out there, you know, the Tao Te Ching, and, and assimilating all of this information and knowledge so that you can follow the ascended path to immortality. And don't listen to these lies because all of, the, all of this and what this is right now is a path to enslavement, to FEMA camps, death and destruction along with the um you know privatized prison system where they make profit off people in prison and such and, and remove the family the father from the family and all that stuff so this is this is some real deep stuff man you gotta make a concerted effort and and and, and follow that path to immortality as far as realizing yourself and what what um what's being perpetrated against us as far as living sentient human beings on this planet right it's it's some hateful heinous satanic stuff that's being and this is not to mention what's happening in palestine this is not even to mention you know human trafficking and pedophilia and everything that's happening right now this is all satanic stuff and we need to understand that and and 
move in the right direction towards the Godhead and, and, and realizing the self and taking care of our family and realizing who we are ourselves and not, not materialistic, right? But just on the ground, boots on the ground, eating, drinking, sleeping, and moving forward in life. So I really do want to thank you for listening. Check out my Instagram, IGTV. I got some good videos. This actually is going to be on my IGTV in the video format. And uh, yeah, any feedback is welcome. I'd love to hear some feedback from you guys. And I really want to thank you for listening. And namaste. Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. I like to cover topics from ancient history, great leaders and generals from the past, and I also like to talk about self-realization, truth, critical thinking, and strategic spirituality. Outside the box, nonconformist. I'm here to shatter the myths of the mainstream media and the beta sheeple narrative. My email address is alphamalebuddhist at gmail.com. My website is alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com. My Instagram is alphamalebuddhist. And check out my YouTube channel, alphamalebuddhist, and that's on YouTube. It is the podcast accompanied with video clips that integrate exactly with the podcast so it's motivational and inspirational i also have promotional t-shirts if you go to my website alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com you can see the promotional t-shirts there reach out to me also if you have any show notes or any suggestions that you would like to hear on the podcast just reach out and see if i can get that done i've been getting some really Great emails and feedback from my listeners, which is great. So I want to thank you for listening and namaste.